Before we dive into this episode of Scandal, this episode does touch on issues around eating disorders. If you or a loved one is struggling, please call Butterfly Foundation on 1800 rich 20-somethings who landed one of the biggest reality TV opportunities of the 2000s. So what exactly made Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton the it girls of their time? And what exactly brought their childhood friendship undone? Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. All right, it's time for part three. Part three. Guys, we covered so much in part two. We spoke about how in December 2003, The Simple Life season one was scheduled to premiere with Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie as the stars. Paris, though, Zara, really was the famous one. She was the one that the network saw as a star and the one that they leveraged in all of the marketing material. Yeah, absolutely. And then just two weeks before the show aired, a sex tape was released of Paris and her ex, Rick Salomon, without her consent. Now, her family were, of course, furious and Paris was said to be devastated. Now, despite this, so many parts of the media accused Paris of leaking the video herself Mm. and she sort of became the butt of every joke and every headline. Yeah, The Simple Life, though, was a runaway success. Season two was almost immediately commissioned. But while ratings were incredible, things behind the scenes were a lot messier. It became very clear while Paris and Nicole were filming season three of the show that all was not well in their friendship. In fact, there were many reports that the women were feuding and Paris ended up coming out and confirming those rumours to USA Today. Not even that, but she also told the press that she wanted a different co-host for the show and that is where we left off episode two zara we're gonna head back to 2005 the friendship is over and paris wants nicole out all righty mish so we're picking back up at that famous line from paris from 2005 and that was as you hinted to before it is not a big secret that nicole and i are no longer friends i will not go into the details of what happened all i will say is that nicole knows what she did and that's all i'm ever gonna say about it such a good power move it's a wonderful power move We aren't sure what exactly happened here, right? One rumour that was circulating at the time was that Nicole was behind an incident, Mish, at a viewing party for Paris's Saturday Night Live episode. Yeah, here's how People magazine reported that rumour back in April of 2005. A source close to Paris tells people that Nicole Richie is jealous of the media attention her Blonder co-star receives and and resents being left out of things like Hilton's Feb 5 hosting gig on Saturday Night Live. In fact, says the source, Nicole Richie tried to get even for that perceived slight by throwing a party to celebrate the SNL stint and then screening Paris's infamous 2003 sex video instead. Paris was very hurt, says the source. She loves Nicole but believes she is owed an apology. 
Reps for Richie deny the incident. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, sources close to Richie said the tension came from the fact that she'd grown out of her partying ways, had quit drinking and was spending more time with her then fiancé, a guy named DJ Adam Goldstein. Mm. If that's the case, though, doesn't quite add up because what we've read online, both women were trying to kind of glow up their image in the same way. Take this from Vanity Fair in 2005. Even as others argue over her significance, Hilton herself appears to be outgrowing her persona as the hot-blooded heiress who can be found dancing on tables at New York's Bungalow 8 or Los Angeles' Spider Club. At the end of May, she announced that she was getting married to a rather handsome, rather intelligent, astronomically wealthy young man (laughs) who, in the ultimate narcissistic twist, is also named Paris. Since the engagement, Hilton has, for her, all but given up late-night club hopping and her hemlines have come down almost a foot. What's on her mind? these days is business. Like her famous great-grandfather, the hotel chain founder Conrad Hilton, she is hell-bent on taking her brand worldwide. So they're both trying to do the same thing. Paris is clearly trying to go for, I'm growing up, I'm an adult now, I'm getting into business. Nicole Richie's team trying to dispel the rumours by saying, no, 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 Nicole's just in a different place in her life. It really doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. And in case you wondered if there was a little by-the-by in that quote as well, You're right, Paris was engaged at this point in her life. It was May 2005 and she was engaged to Greek shipping heir Paris Latsis. Now, the proposal came just eight months into their relationship. E! News reported that he presented her with 15 different engagement (laughs) rings to choose from. The couple were only engaged for four months before they split. Yeah, back to the simple life, though. In October 2005, Fox announced that it had cancelled the reality series because Paris and Nicole no longer proved compatible. I mean, no shit. Yeah. Now, Kimball Stewart, who we told you about in episode two, never took over as co-host of The Simple Life. Going back and digging through reports from the time, it feels like she was never actually going to be on the show. It feels like Fox was never keen on having Kimberly Stewart involved once they had the duo of Paris and Nicole. It feels far more likely that Paris Hilton just decided to publicly go rogue and tell the world what she wanted with the hope that maybe she could reverse engineer it. Like if she went out and said, this is happening, Kimberly's my host, Fox would just bow down and change the roster to suit her desire. Yeah, like manipulate Fox through the media. And I think it's interesting from my end because Fox clearly thought the show was better cancelled than changing co-hosts yes like instead of even entertaining that thought they just cancelled the show yeah it feels like she's trying to power move them but it just didn't work out alas simple life wasn't over for good the following month e-network announced that it had picked up the fourth season of the show starring yes Nicole and Paris, only not quite in the way that viewers might have hoped. Yeah, it turned out the feud was still so bad that Paris and Nicole filmed the entire season apart. Instead of touring the US together in a bus doing odd jobs, they spent a week in a different family house competing as to who could be the best housewife. Mm. At the same time that season four was announced by E!, Nicole actually also released her first book. It was a semi-autobiographical novel titled The truth about diamonds that went on to become a bestseller and readers quickly became convinced that its pages held the answers to what the hell was going on between Paris and Nicole in real life. Yeah, if you're not convinced as to how accurately a fictional novel might have mirrored reality, we're going to give you a snippet from the blurb of the book. 
It read, at the age of seven, Chloe was adopted by a music superstar and his wife, transforming her life from rags to riches. What followed was a wild childhood distinguished by parties with movie stars and rock idols, run-ins with the press and the police, and a subsequent stint in rehab. It sounds pretty much like an identical carbon copy of the story we told in episode one. Yeah, yeah, it sounds familiar for sure. The other thing to note in this book is that Chloe has a very famous best friend that she does everything with and that friend is called Simone. (laughs) Here's how Vanity Fair wrote about the truth about diamonds. A close reader of Nicole's novel might notice its snide portrayal of Simone, whose debauched behaviour exerts a dangerous influence on Chloe, the character who succumbs to drug addiction. Simone is, and I quote, famous for being famous, the narrator explains, but everything about her is fake, from her fortune to her breasts, her nose and the colour of her eyes. Her voice had that somnambulant quality, half Stepford and half Valium. The dial tone had more personality. Yikes. With that in mind, Nicole and Paris were filming season four of The Simple Life, which premiered on June 4, 2006. Now, you really have to give it to the producers. They truly did everything they could to make this odd dynamic work. In the opening scenes of the first episode of season four of The Simple Life, Paris and Nicole walk into the same cafe but refuse to sit at the same table. Paris orders a cookie to Nicole's table that says, Good luck, bitch, in icing. A voiceover then plays, telling the audience that, yes, it's true, Paris and Nicole hate each other's guts. The title of the season was, of course, tongue-in-cheek as well. It was called The Simple Life Till Death Do Us Part. (laughs) The end of the season as well saw the drama come to a head. Paris confronted Nicole with a we-have-to-talk text, to which Nicole replied, so talk. And that is how the season ended on a cliffhanger. Now, while all of that was happening, Nicole Richie seemed to be, publicly at least, finding her feet. In June, so the same month that season four premiered, she sat down with Vanity Fair for a wide-ranging profile piece to talk about her life, what she had been through over the last few years, and what she saw for herself in the future. One sad and unavoidable truth about the piece, though, is how it really obviously pits Nicole against Paris from the very get-go. Take the stand first of the piece, for instance. It read, Emerging from Paris Hilton's shadow, Nicole Richie is busy one-upping her former best friend and Simple Life co-star from the bestseller list to the style pages to a debut album in the works. Yeah, aside from that stuff, it is really interesting to see how Nicole was publicly committing to leading a different kind of life than the one she had become known for. One of the quotes that really did stand out to us was this one. I have built a lot of walls around myself and I am now at 24 just learning to deal with my problems instead of concealing them with drugs or whatever. I really have to make a conscious effort not to do that and that causes a lot of stress. It's all very new for me, feeling feelings instead of turning them off, dealing with my problems like a normal human being, doing what I feel is the right thing to do, not necessarily doing what I want to do all the time, owning what I do and not putting the blame on somebody else. Mm. She also told the publication she was determined to grow up and live a healthier, more balanced life. She said, I want to be able to take whatever comes at me and not physically break down every time hard things come my way because hard things are always going to come my way. I am really trying to make it so I have the proper tools to deal with life. 
What's interesting about this piece and probably completely symptomatic of the mid-noughties too is the intense focus on Nicole's weight. In the story, Nicole implies that she might be struggling with a potential eating disorder in place of her substance abuse problems. She told the journalist Leslie Bennett's, yes, I'm too thin, but that's just a result of what's going on with me. The bigger picture is how I deal with problems. Yeah, she also addressed the elephant in the room, which was Paris and why the former best mates were now more like strangers. First of all, Nicole said the rumour that she streamed Paris's sex tape at a party was completely made up. She said, A, I don't want porn and B, I don't want to see someone I've known forever having sex. I mean, that's gross. Then she turned her attention to the real reason they weren't friends anymore. To that, she said this. We never had a fight. I just decided I didn't want to be a friend anymore. We're just two completely different people. We don't have that much in common. I really don't have anything horrible to say about her. Mm. I want to know your thoughts. Do you think the rumor about the sex tape being played at the SNL party is true? It feels so specific to me. I don't know how all of that could be fictitious. Like I, feel I don't like think it's true. Really? Yeah, no, I don't think it's true. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Paris's team just planted that. Very interesting. Nicole's comments to Vanity Fair went on. She said, when I got out of rehab, I had to figure out what path to go down. And part of that included taking certain people out of my life. When Paris made her little announcement that Nicole knows what she did, I didn't understand what that was about because we hadn't been friends in such a long time. I can only guess that she had her new film, House of Wax, coming out. Yeah, she went on. I do hear some things about what she says. Every time I hear something, it just reminds me of why I made the decision I did. It's not like I hate Paris and it's war. I just didn't want to be her best friend anymore. I can totally imagine how that would be hurtful. But you can't threaten people into being your friend. You can't bribe them into being your friend. I think you get the sense from this profile at the very least, that Nicole wants to be better. I mean, at least publicly. That's the stuff that's coming out of her mouth. She wants to stop using drugs and she does want to stop getting in trouble with the law. That said, you can sense an anxiety as well that she's not quite ready to do that or she hasn't quite Mm. come to terms with all the things she needs to in order to do that. At one point in the story, she admits to the journalist that she needs to live according to a jam-packed schedule because if she doesn't, all demons will be lurking in the shadows. She said, I always push myself. If I don't have anything to do, I always feel like I'm going to do something wrong. Yeah, the profile also finished with this exchange. The interviewer said, does she always do what she's told not to do? Nicole replied, I used to. I don't anymore. The interviewer came in and said, there is a moment's pause as a knowing look dances in those amber eyes. Nicole says, to be quite honest, sometimes I do. So she's admitting she wants to get back on the straight and narrow, not have this kind of deviant lifestyle, but she's still struggling. Like it still pulls her to the side every now and then. Yeah. I mean, she's still also 24. It's still pretty young young to be making those massive life changes. Back to Paris though. In June 2006, Paris was making her official foray into music with her (laughs) debut single stars are blind a banger now the song wasn't actually wholly critically panned weirdly like it wasn't an embarrassment it debuted at its peak of number 18 on the u.s billboard hot 100 and it made it into the top 10 in 17 countries around the world the guardian reviewed the song as so plasticky it is perversely enjoyable <laughs> i'm pretty that. obsessed with that review because i think it's true that's so good paris's self-titled album which came out two months later didn't do too badly either 
It debuted at number seven on the US Billboard 200. It was in the middle of 2006 that amongst all of this kind of music stuff going on in Paris's career, it was announced that season five of The Simple Life was on the horizon. The most curious part was E!, the network had found a way to get Paris and Nicole to film together. Here's a report from TMZ at the time. This season will prove more dramatic than last as Paris and Nicole will not be filmed separately like season four, forcing the two to work together. The president and CEO of the E! Entertainment Network says that while he can't predict if the ladies will have made up or not by then, he realises that he needs to give the people what they want. And what they want is a confrontation. For now, we'll have to wait and see. So we had confirmation in season five and Paris's career seemed to be going insanely well. However, and not for the first time in this series, her personal life was still in turmoil. In September 2006, one month after season four wrapped, Paris was arrested on charges of drunk driving and at the start of 2007 pleaded no contest to a charge of alcohol-related reckless driving. She was sentenced to three years probation and had her license suspended. The thing is, the following month, she was caught driving again on a suspended license, something that was later ruled in violation of her probation. Mm, In May, the court sentenced Paris to 45 days in prison, which she decided to start voluntarily serving early. On the 3rd of June, she went straight from walking the 2007 MTV Awards to jail. During the awards show, Sarah Silverman joked, Paris Hilton is going to jail. I heard that to make her feel more comfortable in prison, the guards are going to paint those bars to make them look like penises. I just worry she's going to break her teeth on those things. Now, the joke didn't go down particularly well then. It certainly hasn't in the years after. It's worth noting that Sarah Silverman has since apologised to Paris Hilton for that joke. Yeah, as you'd hope so, I guess. Mm. Now, just five days later, Paris was let out of jail and allowed to go home and serve out her remaining 40 days under house arrest. CNN reported that medical considerations played a part in the decision. TMZ quoted sources saying Paris had refused to eat much of the food served to her in prison. But then the following day, the judge summoned her back to court and sent her back to jail to serve the rest of her sentence. When the judge told her, Paris reportedly broke down and was screaming and crying and shouted, Mum, and it's not right. Mm, The sheer volume of media coverage around Paris at this time was just insane. Her back and forth to jail was covered by so many different publications and with such fervor that it drowned out other quite important international political stories in the news cycle at the time. Do you remember this? Do you remember how insane the reporting was? Because I was like, like, yeah, Paris uh, mania. Yeah, I feel like I remember it so well. I remember my mum was sick of seeing Paris Hilton on the yeah, TV. Yeah. I remember she would comment on that all the time. On June 14, the Pew Research Centre found that Americans were more interested in news relating to Paris Hilton than the 2008 presidential campaign, the G8 summit, and the talks between George Bush and Vladimir Putin at the time. In fact, 34% of Americans said they were following Paris Hilton updates very or fairly closely. I would have been one of those people. For sure. As a result, a few news outlets even came forward to declare they'd no longer be reporting on what was happening with Paris Hilton. The Associated Press said they were going on, and I quote, an experimental blackout on news about Paris Hilton. Us Weekly made headlines after it published its first 100% Paris-free issue. Editor Janice Min admitted that this was in part because the news broke too close to a deadline for them to offer much reporting on it. But Min also said that, and I quote, it seems like a good idea to have a place for people who don't like Paris to go to. 
What we're saying is now it seems to be a national witch hunt and a lot of people in America would like to burn her at the stake. She symbolises everything that's wrong with celebrity behaviour. Min added that the final straw for Us Weekly was the fact that Paris was offering up her first sit-down post-jail interview for a price. Yeah, that first post-jail interview for a price was certainly quite the chat. We're going to tell you more about that after the break. All right, Zara, so score a post-jail interview Paris did. We can't quite wrap our heads around the timeline. According to our research, Paris left jail on June 26, 2007. Her first televised interview appears at least to have happened the very next day. Paris scored an interview on CNN's Larry King Live on June 27. Reports at the time speculated that the Hilton family were asking for $1 million for the interview, but an official kind of number or figure was never reported. We just know that the rumour was circulating. Yeah. Now, here's a snippet of Paris speaking about being in solitary confinement for 23 hours every day. Basically, it's a small room with a metal bunk bed, um, a toilet right next to the bed connected to the sink, and a little metal desk. So just a very small area. It's pretty harrowing. Totally. I don't think anyone deserves to be in solitary confinement at all. Like, Mm. it's torture. Mm. Most of the media responses to the interview were damning, though. Like the New York Times, for example, who wrote, Miss Hilton's hour-long conversation with CNN's Larry King on Wednesday night was as preposterous, stilted and scripted as anyone could have expected. I feel like no matter what she was going to say around this time in her life, people were so invested in hating her. They were so invested in her being the punching bag that she was going to lose no matter oh, what yeah. came out of her mouth. Yeah, you might as well make money off saying things anyway because it's like you're not going <laughs> to yeah, win. Yeah. Now, I think what's really interesting to look back on is people felt unified in their dislike and distaste for her and it seems like the media and the public were hell-bent on making her feel as much shame as mm. possible for her transgressions. Perhaps the best example of this is the 2007 David Letterman interview. Paris has since kind of called this chat out with David Letterman where he wouldn't stop asking her about her time in jail, even though she explicitly said during the conversation she didn't want to talk about it and that she was there to talk about her perfume, movie and work. This interview was one of the interviews that went viral a year or two ago as part of the Free Britney movement when the public was kind of compelled to go back and examine the way the mainstream media treated young women in the public eye. If some of our listeners have listened to our recent Lindsay Lohan Mm. series, they'll realise, of course, that David Letterman came up again in a similar context. He's an expert at this. Yes. Here's the example of Paris Hilton's interview, though, with David Letterman. Have your friends treated you differently since you've been out of the slammer? People think that I was really strong, that I went through it, so... God, it was just ugly, wasn't it? Did you... Have you, have you made... Uh... But I've moved on with my life, so I don't really want to talk about it yeah, anymore. But, I know. It's such an interesting one. I understand why David Letterman felt compelled to ask. I understand that if Paris is using his show as a PR opportunity for her perfume and her movies and whatever else is going on, he owes it to his viewers and his audience to at least ask the question. It's just a very different thing to ask the question once or twice, try and go there, to repeatedly coming back and repeatedly making a young woman feel deeply uncomfortable on your show. Yeah, and he did that consistently. Like he had such a track record of being so patronising to young women and just like never taking them seriously and then being the butt of all his jokes. 
So what was Nicole up to, though, as all of this was going on? Well, she was busy making headlines of her own, of course, and entering into another high-profile feud, this time with her celebrity stylist, Rachel Zoe. What a blast from the past. I used to love Rachel Zoe's styling show. Yes. It was on Foxtel. And I was obsessed with her. She was the moment she was at it. this point. Like she was the person in the 2000s. Yeah. Now, to understand this feud, we're going to have to give you a little bit more context. Rachel Zoe, as I just said, was inarguably the stylist of the noughties. Mm. She began working with Nicole Ritchie at the end of 2004. Here is how the LA Times described her influence on Nicole Ritchie's personal brand back in 2006. When Zoe, Hollywood's hottest stylist, got her manicured mitts on The Simple Life Star two years ago, Richie was a style nightmare with ragged hair extensions and ever-visible bra straps. But by the summer of 2005, Richie had turned into a sleek trendsetter, photographed everywhere from Kitson to the car wash, alternately channeling Audrey Hepburn's Gamine Cute and Zoe's own brand of 1970s Glamazon chic. It's such an interesting case study in how wearing the right clothes at the right time can completely transform your public image. However, by November 2006, reports surfaced that Nicole had dumped Rachel as her stylist and the situation didn't sound pretty at all. The first report to really hit the press was from Us Weekly, who quoted a source close to Richie who said that she wanted to surround herself with positive people and influence after seeking medical help regarding her weight. Now, it's a pretty intense semi-accusation to level at someone that she ditched Rachel Zoe because she was concerned about her weight and her approach to her weight and how maybe the people around her were influencing her negatively. Yeah, well, they were the sort of unnamed sources and mm. that's what they were saying anyway. In response to this, Rachel Zoe went into damage control, releasing a statement of her own to TMZ. She said, There's been a lot of speculation as to the cause of my partying with client Nicole Ritchie. The tabloids' reports have no merit. After trying to be a good friend to Nicole, we made a mutual decision to sever our working relationship. <laughs> now, a day later, things got a lot messier when Nicole <laughs> posted a blind item on her MySpace page. Aww. We're really capturing the era here. That read as follows. Blind item. What 35-year-old raisin face whispers her order of three pieces of asparagus for dinner at Chateau every night? and hides her deathly disorder by pointing the finger at me and used her last paycheck I wrote to pay for a publicist instead of a nutritionist. Hint, her nickname is Lettuce Cup. God, that is so brutal and mean. Awful. Just also, awful stuff. We also know it was almost definitely about Rachel Zoe. Rachel Zoe was 35 at the time. It was so obviously done, the timing yeah. of it all. I don't know who else it could be about. As a quick aside here, what's weird about this whole dieting weight-related feud between Nicole Ritchie and Rachel Zoe is that a year later in 2007, an email invite that Nicole Ritchie sent to her nearest and dearest leaked online and was picked up by the media for being... Well, downright fat phobic, right? It said very yeah. weird things. Yeah, some curious things about weight. Now, we're going to read it word for word. This is the invite for Nicole's Memorial Day weekend barbecue that was picked up by the media. 
My fellow Americans, it's that time of year to celebrate our country by drinking massive amounts of beer. Let's stand together as one, live the American dream, take shots, pass out, and wake up with our pants ripped open at the seams. Let's glorify this day in your sluttiest tops and your tightest pair of Subi jeans, even though we have no fucking clue what Memorial Day really means. Then she then gave the address. There will be a scale at the front door. No girls over 100 pounds allowed in. Start starving yourself now. See you all then. Uh, is she like is she joking i mean she came out after this was leaked and said this was obviously a joke like it's obviously not serious it's just a, it's just like a quite a strange joke yeah and like if you were reading that and you were over a hundred pounds how is that supposed to make you feel yeah absolutely so i think in this context it's interesting that nicole accused rachel zoe of putting her insecurities on her friends when truthfully we know that's exactly what nicole did too yeah a hundred percent just to fiddle with the timeline a little bit because we want to wrap up the nicole ritchie rachel zoe feud before we get back to nicole and paris now it looked very much like these two were on terrible terms even a year after the feud first made headlines rachel zoe told the new york times that she had essentially built nicole ritchie's brand the quote went nicole is now what people refer to as the big thing that happened everything went from nowhere to everywhere nicole was about creating a look because of her fashion sense which was really my fashion sense she became famous it was a huge moment Nicole became a style icon without being a star. In some ways, Rachel Zoe's not entirely wrong. Oh, I actually think she's bang on. I wouldn't say she's bang on because I think Nicole Richie became famous because of the simple life, not because of the clothes that she was wearing. That said, her brand was astronomically improved because of how she was presenting to the public. Yeah, you're so right. Sorry, I don't agree with the she became famous. I think it was more like she became respected in fashion circles. Absolutely. And it was Rachel Zoe's fashion sense. It wasn't Nicole's. By early 2009, though, it looked like the feud was over. The two of them were spotted at a Los Angeles store opening, having what seemed to be a very civil conversation. (laughs) And that is that. Back to Paris and back to our timeline. We are in early 2007. That is when Paris Hilton found herself in yet another career controversy. Now, the way this particular controversy came out is one of huge intrigue. In January 2007, a website called parisexposed.com popped up and the stuff it made public was utterly damaging for Paris Hilton's reputation. So you might be wondering, what is parisexposed.com and how did any of this happen? Well, that in and of itself is quite the story. It turns out Paris Hilton had a bunch of things like videotapes, photos, bank records, you name it, in a storage facility. When she failed to pay the $208 a month rent on that storage facility, the storage company offered up her locker to the highest bidder. Now, a couple who happened to be at that storage bidding day reportedly paid $2,775 for everything in Paris Hilton's locker. When they did that, Zara, that couple found themselves in possession of some of Paris's most private belongings. Yeah, it's outrageous. When the couple realized what they had in the storage cage, they offered to sell it back to Paris for more than $2 million. She either didn't respond or rejected the deal, which prompted them to look elsewhere. They then got in contact with an entrepreneur named Bardia Persa. He paid them $10 million for the contents of the locker. 
And then Bardia launched parasexposed.com where he sold monthly access to the contents of the locker for $40. Yeah, the homepage of parasexposed.com read, believe it or not, this supermodel from one of the wealthiest families in the world failed to pay her $208 bill. As you probably guessed by now, the storage unit was auctioned off. The heiress has lost all rights to her goods. Now, some of this stuff was downright intrusive. There was a video of Paris getting in and out of a bubble bath. There were also reportedly evidence of her taking prohibited substances. Some of it went beyond just being intrusive to being downright offensive, though. In one video taken on a dance floor at a house party, Paris was shown not only to have said the N-word, but also repeatedly use a homophobic slur. Yeah, it was really, really bad stuff. Paris's publicist, Elliot Mintz, had to issue a statement about this to page six. He told the publication, I'm not going to make any attempt to spin this. It happened. I'm not going to deny it happened. Each of us have used words that we've regretted later. This was six years ago. She was 20 at the time. It was New Year's Eve. She had obviously been drinking. She sincerely regrets using those words. She is not a racist or an anti-Semite. Now, the problem with this sort of explanation is it wasn't the first time that Paris had been accused of racism. In 2000, In 2004, the New York Daily News reported that the Daily Mail's Carol I. Mong claimed to have seen a video of Paris Hilton using the N-word. Though Paris denied it in that case, these racial slurs seem to actually be quite a common story for Paris Hilton. And I think one that many people forgot and have forgotten in the retelling of her story Mm. I mean as a quick sidebar when Paris came out with that documentary that we'll speak about in a second a lot of people called it a revisionist history Mm. because there was no real acknowledgement of the racism scandals that she found herself in throughout the course of her career yeah particularly the first half of her career I mean when you look at the noughties in particular early noughties mid noughties this popped up a few times for her and she should have addressed it in that documentary as for parisexposed.com a court case between Paris Hilton and that couple who originally bought the contents of her locker and sold it for 10 million dollars did get settled later that year Meanwhile, ParisExposed.com stayed up for months. It was quietly disabled sometime after. As of the recording, it's no longer live. I would love to know how much money Bardia Persa, that entrepreneur, made from this. Did he make his $10 million back? It's, it's such a bizarre, bizarre concept. And I do have to say, it's kind of a complicated and, and layered story to talk about because on the one hand, you have these awful, horrendous horrifying things that she was clearly proven to be saying but on the other I can't really imagine living my life where people are so desperate to get their hands on your private belongings to sell them to the rest of the world Mm. like that's a level of exposure that I personally would find quite traumatic absolutely and for Paris's part she says she didn't even really know that this storage locker existed this all happened because her house was robbed a company put her stuff in storage she forgot about it I'm guessing she has a lot of houses a lot of belongings all that kind of stuff She said that she wasn't the one even paying those $208 bills. It was the company that stopped paying them. So she had no idea this even existed before it was made public. Yeah, which you can absolutely imagine how that happens. Outside of all of this, 
let's talk about what was going on with Paris and Nicole together. In June 2007, the duo starred on the cover of Harper's Bazaar and told the world that they were back on. <laughs> yep, after a year-long feud, they were friends again and ready to talk about it, but only if it perfectly timed with the launch of season five of The Simple Life, oh, of course. Oh, you're so cynical. Uh, they told Laura Brown, former editor-in-chief of InStyle, but then at Harper's Bazaar, the story of their reunion, saying it was Paris who was the one who made the first move. It was the year prior, they said, in September, and Paris emailed Nicole on her 25th birthday. Yeah, they said that they arranged to meet at the Beverly Hills Hotel and then head off to Lionel Richie's house, but they ended up being followed by a swarm of paparazzi. Nicole told the magazine, I had to have my security block off the street because it was so crazy. It's still unclear what actually happened to cause the feud. When Harper's Bazaar asked about it, Nicole simply said, I don't know, but I can't get mad at her for talking shit about me. We were in a fight. <laughs> yeah, well, she also interestingly blamed the media for over-exaggerating the rift and then causing them to fight even more. She said, our fight was so built up by the press, half of it wasn't even real. Paris agreed. She said, there was no reason why we were fighting. It was just silly. We believed what other people were saying. People are really two-faced in this town and they were trying to play us against each other. It made me sadder than any breakup with a boyfriend. It was just the worst feeling ever. Mm. The interesting part about the story that Nicole and Paris were peddling at this time is it's hard to make sense of the timeline because the timeline to me is a bit curious. <laughs> for one, let me lay it all out for you. Please. These two said they made up in September, but the fifth season of The Simple Life was announced the month before that. And when this fifth season of The Simple Life was publicly confirmed, it was confirmed that these two were going to film together. Yes. So they clearly signed a contract a month before they quote unquote made up saying that they would film together. Mm. So there has to be some sort of a conversation about that. It's almost like money and fame has influenced this friendship in some way. <laughs> yes. Now, given season four also ended on a cliffhanger about their feud, it is probably safe to assume that everyone when they were filming that cliffhanger would know that season five would open with a reunion. Otherwise, why would you so confidently end on a cliffhanger? <laughs> with all of that in mind, I do feel like a huge portion of this feud had to be for PR. I don't think the feud was for PR. I think the making up was for PR. I think these two were originally friends. They did have a falling yeah, out. Right. I can imagine the competition between them and that kind of dynamic that the media goes, oh, who's prettier, who's richer, who's more famous? That would breed a feud. I think they purely made up because they knew it was good for their careers, good for the show, good for ratings. And maybe there was no other way to do season five without it yeah. coming together. Regardless, there is one more part of the Harper's Bazaar interview we absolutely need to tell you about, which is kind of not related to anything. It was just the best quote I've read this <laughs> kind of whole year, even though it's been a short year. Because when Paris Hilton was asked by Laura Brown about all those run-ins with the law, she said this, I think I get in more trouble just because of who I am. The cops do it all the time. They'll just pull me over to hit on me. It is really annoying. They're like, what's your phone number? Want to go to dinner? They won't even give me a ticket. They just pull me over. And the paparazzi, of course, take a picture all the time. I have so many cops business cards. <laughs> I love so her. I love her that she thought that anyone would take that seriously. Now, though Nicole and Paris were friends again, and Nicole was doing media, like that Vanity Fair piece we mentioned earlier in the episode, where she mentioned that she was trying to get back on the straight and narrow, Nicole Richie continued to find herself in trouble with the law 
too. It was actually about to become a huge issue for her career. After all, six months before that Harper's Bazaar feature, Nicole had started dating Joel Madden, the lead singer of the band Good Charlotte, her now husband. Just a few weeks after they started dating, Nicole was arrested for driving under the influence on her way home from Joel's place in LA. In July 2007, she pleaded guilty for driving under the influence of drugs and was fined and sentenced to 90 hours in jail. Yeah, in the wake of Nicole's sentencing and Paris's own legal troubles that year, the simple life was finally cancelled and it seemed very much like all publicity was not good publicity. In fact, episodes for season five of the show were down 20% on the previous season's viewership, attracting around 840,000 viewers per episode. I mean, The Bachelor could only dream of those numbers. <laughs> e! Network's president and CEO Ted Harbert did not beat around the bush as well in telling the media why the series was cancelled, pointing to, and I quote, recent legal troubles as the cause of the series decline in viewership saying we all thought the publicity would help the show we were wrong it's not doing well it's not doing well an unnamed source at e agreed and said to us magazine we felt like the real life drama of their lives overshadowed anything happening on the show viewers would see paris all day long on the news about her going to jail so they didn't care about seeing her camping with kids it was just too played out even though the final season of The Simple Life fizzled out, there's no doubt how much the show impacted culture. Looking back, Paris later said she believed Nicole and her definitely started the whole reality TV thing. In 2015, she told In Touch, it seems like the shows today are more about drama than having fun. Nicole and I were just having a lot of fun. After The Simple Life, Paris and Nicole spent the next decade continuing to be successful businesswomen and public figures. Let's start with Nicole, though. 2008 was a huge year for the then 27-year-old. By this point, she'd been dating her boyfriend, Joel Madden, for just over a year. And at the start of 2008, they welcomed their first child, a girl named Harlow Winter Kate Madden. So they fell pregnant pretty quickly, Mish. Mm. Nicole told People Magazine, who she reportedly sold the baby photos to for a cool $1 million dollar. I don't even remember what life was like before her. Yeah, that same year, Nicole also founded her own jewellery company and called it House of Harlow 1960. It started out as a costume jewellery brand, but quickly grew into a lifestyle brand with pieces worn by celebrities, including the Kardashians. In September 2009, Nicole gave birth to her second child, a son named Sparrow James Midnight Madden. <laughs> that is so good. Sparrow James Midnight Madden. I mean, it does roll off the tongue, it's, in fairness. It's something for sure. Now, by December 2010, four years into their relationship, Joel Madden and Nicole Richie tied the knot. Nicole's adoptive father, Lionel Richie, hosted the wedding at his 28-room home in LA. Approximately 130 guests attended, including a trained elephant. I don't I don't think that would happen in I'm, 2023. I'm not sure that's flying either. She was 29, he was 31. She wore a Grace Kelly-inspired dress with lace sleeves, a high neckline, and a huge layered skirt. She had her and Joel's names embroidered onto the sleeve of her dress. Now, notably, Mish, sources reported Paris Hilton was not in attendance. Mm, Her TV career did not end with a simple life either. In 2012, she appeared as one of the three judges on the reality series Fashion Star. In 2014, she starred in the unscripted comedy series Candidly Nicole, which ran for two seasons. And in 2017, she nabbed a regular acting role in the sitcom Great News. Of course, we couldn't forget about the fact that in 2020, she launched her rap alter ego, Nikki Fresh, where she rapped mostly about gardening. As the LA Times put it, it is like if Goop and Snoop 
How to love child. I will never know what to make of that era of Nicole Richie. No, nor <laughs> will I. As for Paris, over the years, Paris earned acting roles and cameo appearances, had a hit MTV reality series about her search for a new best friend. <laughs> it was called Paris Hilton's My New BFF. Yes, exactly. She continued to release fragrances and made a name for herself as a DJ. Yeah, by 2020, Paris's perfume collection was estimated to have done more than $2.5 billion, billion with a B, in sales. At that point in her career, Paris had 19 product lines spanning skincare, handbags, jewellery and lingerie. She also nabbed the top spot as highest paid female DJ in the world. And she was spending more than 250 days of the year travelling for work. She was thought to be raking in a million dollars per DJing gig. Incredible. As Vogue magazine wrote, Hilton has come a long way since her days on The Simple Life inquiring whether Walmart sold wall stuff. <laughs> 2020 also marked a bigger shift for Paris. It was the year she moved back into the spotlight, this time with a very different image. It was the year that she reinvented herself in the public eye. Yeah, it all really began with her YouTube originals produced documentary titled This Is Paris. When This Is Paris came out, she was 39 years old. And that's when we really learned about her years at Provo Canyon School. A big chunk of that documentary was dedicated to that experience and also saw Paris connect with former students at the school in a bid to raise awareness about their allegations. Beyond that, I think the world also learned that Paris Hilton's ultra-blonde, ditzy persona was something of a creation. It was something that she acted As the New York Times explained, at the heart of the documentary is trauma. People noted as well that the iconic baby voice that Paris was known for in the mid-noughties was completely gone and was replaced with a much deeper one. It was clear that Paris really did want to shed that old perception of her as a ditzy, rich heiress. At the start of the documentary, she told viewers, I created this brand and this persona and this character and I've stuck with it ever since. Yeah, in the documentary and in the press she's done since, it's clear that Paris has also tried to dispel the idea that she's lazy and doesn't work hard. She told L'Officiel in 2021, I'm just very good at pretending to be. There are many preconceptions coming from a family with an important surname. I think a lot of people think I take it for granted or that I'm spoiled, that I've always had food ready and haven't worked a single day of my life. But it is an opinion so far from reality. She went on and said, I have worked hard and have never behaved thinking that I'm different from others. Having seen me on The Simple Life, they assume that I'm that way in real life, but it was a role I am smart. Mm, Since that documentary aired, she also had a show on peak called Paris in Love, a cooking show with Netflix called Cooking in Paris, which definitely lent heavily into that ditzy blonde persona that she's created for herself. She also launched a podcast with iHeart called This is Paris. Yeah, as Bloomberg News wrote last year, suddenly Paris Hilton is everywhere again, on streaming televisions, in fashion ads, and even on Roblox. It's all part of her plan, but in this iteration of Paris Hilton, expect to see NFTs instead of billboards as per her personal life. She's also married now. In 2021, she tied the knot with investment banker and businessman Carter Room. Mm, amongst Paris's guest list at the wedding was none other than Nicole Richie. According to People magazine, the pair, who were seen laughing and smiling, posed together for a photo on the dance floor. During the reception, Nicole even sat next to Paris's former personal assistant and now friend Kim Kardashian. 
time is but a flat circle, I guess. <laughs> Paris shared a clip to her Instagram of her hugging Nicole on the night and posing for a photo, joking that, and I quote, it's our wedding photo. Speaking to camera, Paris said, I am so happy to have Nicole here with me on my big day. We've been friends since we were little kids. I love her so much and it means so much to me that she's here. We came back to where we started. They're friends again. All is well. I still think it's a bit of a one-way friendship. <laughs> oh, it definitely I think is. Paris loves Nicole more than Nicole loves Paris. That is a fair assumption, I think. Guys, come tell us. What do you think? What do you think about the simple life? How do you feel about these women now that so much time has passed? We've seen them grow up in the public eye. We've seen them make plenty of mistakes. We've seen them try to rebuild their images, go to a reputation rehab. There's just so much in this series and I'm so happy that we did it together. Yeah, 100%. Guys, as always, if you want to see photos from this time, some nostalgic photos back from the noughties again, <laughs> maybe some photos of Rachel Zoe and Nicole Richie together, we are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We are also on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. We will be back in your ears on Thursday for another wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Yep, and then it's time for a new Scandal series next Monday. Can't wait. See you then, guys. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.